What's up, everyone? Jonathan here with the Venue RX, and I am excited to be joined today by Margot Frazee. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Well, I want to jump right in because you have an incredible company, Harmony Creative. And I think, you know, the topic, what we're going to be discussing today, I think is so important for wedding pros, because if we can eliminate headaches anywhere in our business, certainly we want to do that. And, you know, you have experience, uh, a lot of experience running your own business, and now you help wedding professionals. So I am excited to jump into this and let's, let's go from the top. Let's start from the top. How did you get into this industry? How did you, um, how did you begin? What's your origin story? Yeah. I, I love hearing from wedding professionals kind of how they got into the wedding industry because very few of us have a true tourism or hospitality degree. And we kind of come from different places. I actually had an entirely different career before I got into wedding planning. I was in retail consulting. So I worked for a firm out of New York. We had uh, clients like Nike, Lucky Brand Jeans, uh, Ben Sherman was a big one. So basically if you go into like a Dick's Sporting Goods or a Macy's and you see that Lucky Brand or Nike looks different than everything else, the fixturing is different, the signage is different. That's because the company that I work for designed all of that. So our job was to get you to buy something at the point of purchase. It wasn't our, our job to get you into the store. That's advertising. That's something else. But marketing and merchandising in the store. It's interesting because around the time of the 2008 financial disaster, the company kind of shifted gears from creative to kind of management of like a small army of merchandisers that would go around and keep up those shop spaces that we had designed. And that was not what I had signed on for. So I started working with another, like a whole separate account, which was for Yahoo. Everyone remembers Yahoo before Google took over the internet. And I, I was, what my job was that I was kind of a go between designing products that had their little logo on it, which we affectionately called the Y bang, which was like the Y and an, an exclamation point. And I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anyone, but the only people who were interested in Yahoo branded products was the Yahoo events and marketing department. <laughs> so I started working in tandem with their events department and I, I discovered that I liked their job a lot more than mine. Like I was helping them out with their corporate holiday retreats and, and different things like that. And at the time, kind of like a lot of wedding professionals, one of my friends was getting married. She asked for my help. She saw that I was kind of doing some event-based stuff. And I fell in love with weddings because corporate events are kind of their own beast, especially here in Los Angeles when we deal with a lot of movie premieres and brand activations. And weddings are kind of a whole different animal involving families and love and stuff. And, and that's what I fell in love with. And I started going part-time with my job and doing more, you know, uh, shadowing a wedding planner here in Los Angeles, starting my, my own company in earnest. And then once I married my husband and I could be under his health insurance, <laughs> I started my own company, Harmony Creative Studio. And we just celebrated our 10-year LLC filing two weeks ago. So we've wow. been around for a while. A decade. I love that. Yes. A that, hot decade. <laughs> that is, that is inspiring. And I love that you started to phase out your corporate job 
but yeah. you kind of kept that while you were doing your other thing. You almost had your side hustle that turned into your main hustle, right? Yeah, I still had to pay rent. I had to pay bills. So <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Do you take your experience that you had from working in corporate America to how you thought about your business? Or did you just kind of leave all that at the door and do a bunch of new stuff? I think when you work in a very corporate environment, some things are just ingrained that I think if you, if you just leave college or, and, and start a business, or you don't have that background, some things are just ingrained. I'm a zero inbox person. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people aren't just, just because if, if, when I was working for, you know, my corporate o- overlords, if I didn't answer emails in a timely fashion, I would have gotten fired. So I kind of keep that same mentality going for my own company and think about the things that I saw in a corporate environment that were working, you know, and the things that I felt like were BS and I dropped those, you know, but, but yeah, I think that having a, having a corporate background has helped me with structure wise. It's definitely helped me with what we're going to talk about here because I've been through like a corporate HR onboarding process as as an employee and stuff like that. And, and having structure from a corporate level is not bad, but I do like that. I'm the person that's in charge of that structure. Now that's the part that I like. Totally. So let's talk about onboarding. What do you, when you talk to wedding professionals, uh, and, and you're counseling them on their businesses. What are maybe some common misconceptions or maybe first take mistakes that you see that you kind of, those are some hot button issues that you immediately jump on to handle. So I think that onboarding gets a bad rap or it gets like a kind of a misconstrued rap, which is that um, welcoming a new client into your business isn't all about paperwork and form emails and, you know, stuff like that, that that a lot of people think it's also a a time when you need to set boundaries and expectations for your work together. Like, I think that people are like, Oh, I just, I send my client our form and they fill it out and they get back to me. And I'm like, okay, well, are you sending them anything else? Are you sending them a welcome packet? Are you, are you sending them your boundaries? Are you sending them rules? And they're like, no. And I was like, well, that's why they're texting you at 11 o'clock at night because they don't know they're not supposed to. <laughs> so it, I think that a lot of people just think that they, they have to have a system for like the hard stuff, like the, or the, the tangible stuff, paperwork, meetings, stuff like that. But onboarding can be most effective where you actually kind of get into the boundaries and the more importantly, the expectations of your working relationship. Got it. That makes so much sense. So you're telling me that it's not normal to have my client texting me at midnight. I mean, I don't love it. I don't know about you. <laughs> to each their own. I, it's so funny because I think that I think that another thing that people people are always like, "What do you do for onboarding? Just show me what you do." And I was like, "I can show you what I do all day long. It's not going to help you mm-hmm. because you and I, another person and I, we have different." lifestyles. We have different timing needs. We have different things going on in our life. I don't have any children, right? So I don't have to structure my day around my children's school or their activities or different things like that. I only have a very manic dog. So (laughs) I have a different lifestyle than some other people. And I think that, that a lot of times people are like, oh, just tell me what to do. Tell me what I should be doing for my onboarding. And I think the most important thing is for you, the business owner, 
to figure out exactly what is going to be most effective for you and help you solve problems that come down the line, because that's really what onboarding is for, to you know, set your expectations, avoid, you know, head off problems of the past. So you have to figure out what those are for you and build a structure that's going to help you. I don't like text, but I know that other people prefer text messages. So I'm not out here telling you to do what I do. I'm out, I'm out here telling you to figure out what's good for you and then make a system around that. Mm, that's powerful. And yeah, I think that a lot of times, and I know I'm totally guilty of this, as wedding pros, we let our businesses kind of run away with us because we're excited. I know when I first started my business, I was just, I was pumped to have money coming in. Like if there was, <laughs> if someone was willing to pay me money for what we were doing, I was like, that is a yes for me. Like I'm going to be, you know, sign me up. And then at a certain point it was like, me saying yes to that, or me just having this all access policy mm -hmm. was actually hurting me. So is there a certain point you feel like in people's businesses that they get to that that's, that's the case that it actually becomes a problem? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I too fell into that trap where when I first started, I now granted when I first started, it was like 2010, 2011, there was not the vast amount of education out there like there is now. So I feel like I'm almost jealous of the wedding pros starting now because there's there's so much education out there that, that can help them that just wasn't available to me 10 years ago. But yeah, I feel like everyone has this, this you know track that they're on where they're like, my business is here, I'm super excited. I'm gonna do everything and anything I can to make this client satisfied. And then you realize, that human beings kind of need structure and it's actually helpful to the client and they appreciate it more when you give them a structure to work within. Because sometimes when people are free range, they get a little, they start floating <laughs> out to space, you know, because yep. they don't know what's, I mean, so this is the way that I put it. Imagine you're going on a cruise, right? Okay. I, I do. I do want to say that I start. I started a talk at Cater Source 2020, March 13th, with a giant picture of a cruise ship. It went over like a ton of lead bricks. It was really funny because obviously all the cruises were like stopping at that point. But it is the most like it is the easiest way for people to get to understand. So you're going on a cruise, right? So you're going on a cruise from Florida to the Bahamas, and imagine if the cruise ship did not give you any schedule itinerary tips on what to pack when people were going to stop at port how long it was going to take to get there a, a map of the ship imagine they didn't give you anything your trip would not be that enjoyable you wouldn't know what to do you wouldn't know when things were going to happen you wouldn't know what to pack or bring so the same thing is true with a wedding planning journey that wedding professionals take their clients on from the point of booking they've, they've hired you to their wedding day right and it's it's all about you giving them the information that they need to have that journey be successful enjoyable for both them and you and and there are some things that they need to know at the beginning of the journey to do that and that's what onboarding 
really is. Because if I went on a cruise ship and they didn't tell me that there was a pool and I didn't bring a bathing suit and that I got there and there wasn't, I couldn't go in it, I'd be kind of mad. That's all. (laughs) Totally. How detailed should a wedding pro be getting here? As far as, you know, you're talking about cruises and, and pools, but know, you know, <laughs> minutely now I want to go to, now I want to go in a pool. It seems like a great idea. Um, <laughs> sunny outside here, you know, why not? Um, yes. But you know, how detailed are we talking about? We talked a little bit about communication and you're not a text person, but other people are, are mm-hmm. we talking about when to expect texts and timelines? I mean, how, how granular are we getting with this communication? Again, that depends on probably what type of pro you are, what type of relationship you're looking to have with your client. As a wedding planner, I'm a wedding planner. So Mm -hmm. I'm working with the client the entire time. And so how granular I get with my instructions might be different than a photographer or a DJ whose role in the wedding planning process starts further down the line by design correct? Like they don't need to be involved in day two of figuring out napkins or whatever that is. So it just depends on how, how much information you want to give your client. And really I tell people that the information that you give your client as part of your onboarding, whether that's a whole welcome packet, whether that's a sheet of paper, whether it's a meeting, whether it's a a CRM, whatever it is, It's all about things that are going to make the process easier on both the client and you. So that those could be different things. Again, people are always asking me, what do you put in your welcome packet? And I'm like, I'm happy to show you my welcome packet, but again, it may not help you because Mm -hmm. I, as a wedding planner, put things in my welcome packet, like how to get a marriage license, because that is like, the number one question that my clients come to me and ask. And I was tired of writing the same email over and over and over again. I put it in their CRM. Sometimes they couldn't find it. So I put it in the welcome packet, a whole page about how to get a marriage license, which I've had to update six times over the last year as the process went down the toilet. But that is a (laughs) side note. Um, But for a wedding photographer, that's probably not a question they're going to get asked. Mm -hmm. So wedding photographers tend to put things like what to wear to your engagement shoot or how to feel comfortable in front of the camera or how to buy prints or how to, you know, how we're going to involve your parents and whatever the questions that you get asked that take up a lot of your time, the things that you would write form emails for or all that, just put that in the welcome packet so people have it, you know? I'm not saying that they will read it all. Type A clients will read it all, but (laughs) type B clients may read half of it and then you'll get half as many questions. Mm. At what point should you start this? Because if I'm brand new, I may not know the information that I need to include until I've done it and maybe fallen on my face a couple of times and answered a couple of those midnight texts, right? Yeah. And I I think that that's normal. Um, But again, I would, I would encourage all new professionals to look at some type of education. Mm -hmm. There is some type of education out there for everyone and what it, what it costs in, in monetary dollars for a very basic wedding planning course, you will save that money in time, mistakes, getting sued, 
whatever you want to call it. I'm just, I'm just saying what's out there. It's fact, you know, like you'll save yourself that much money down the line and then you'll know exactly what to put in your welcome packet. Mm -hmm. Now I will say that there are some very basic things that your clients will want to know. They'll want to know how to communicate with you. So you have to have like your preferred communication methods. Are you a person like me who does not allow texts? Well, you got to put that or else they're going to text you. Are you a person who wants everything to come through email? Or are you a person who wants everything to come through your CRM and only have your clients talk to you through CRM? All of these things should probably be laid out, as is your turnaround, right? How long does it take you to respond to your clients? I put it in our welcome packet, it's, it's right in there, that our clients will receive an answer from us within 72 business hours. What that means is if they write me on a Friday night, they should not expect a reply until Wednesday. That's a long time because that's 72 business hours, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? It's not, fr 9 p.m. Friday is not included in business hours. So, and I do that because usually it does not take me 72 business hours to get back to people. It usually takes me 24 hours or 48 hours, and then they're happy to get a, a faster reply. But I'm building in some time for myself so that if something happens, my clients are not like, hey, can you respond to me? Hey, why aren't you responding to me? Like, they're not freaking out about it. Mm, so you, you definitely yeah. need to put in your turnaround time. I'm not telling you what that is. Maybe your turnaround time, you want to, you know, have it be 24 hours or you want to have it be a week because what you're doing is not super pressing, you know, that's fine. But you have to explain that to clients because it helps with their angst, their client angst about how, when they're going to get their answer. That's all, you know, you should also put in there client uh, angst. loosely, yeah, client angst, loosely what the process is. Every wedding couple that I have ever dealt with just wanted to know what was going to happen, right? Like they just want to know the plan. And so in my welcome packet, I actually put the four meetings that we'll have that I know we'll have with our full planning and design clients. I'm not saying we won't have more if needed. I'm not saying I won't come with them to their florist. We'll have as many meetings as necessary, but these are the four that will absolutely need to happen. This is roughly when they will happen, right? Over the course of the year or the, you know, eight months or however long they've hired me. So that again, we're addressing that client angst of, I don't know what to do next. I don't know when our next meeting is going to be what, so they're, they can look at that and know and not freak out. And that mm -hmm. has cut down on so much <laughs> client angst and back and forth for me because they're like, oh, okay. It's not like in their mind, like client minds, right? They're like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if we have to go see the venue now, if we have to, you know, do that. And then they look at the, the thing that I've written and they're like, oh, Margo says we're going to have our venue tour in May and then we're going to have our final tour you know, three weeks before the way. Okay. That's fine. And then they feel better about it because people only want to know what's going to happen. Hmm. They kind of want that security blanket that they're dealing with a professional who understands the process. Correct. Yes. And the same thing, if you're, you know, if, again, if you're a DJ, you know, or a band, if you're part of the music and you're not going to talk to your clients for like six months after they get, you know, they, they book you just because 
to be honest, it's not that necessary, right? You, you come in at a certain point of the process. If you lay it out for your clients, hey, the next time you and I will talk, you'll be hearing from me around May, May, late May, early June, and I'll send you this, this, that, and the other thing. By that point, you'll be at a point in your planning process where you will be able to talk to me about music and timing and what's going to happen. And that's when we're going to start our process. And then we'll go from there. Well, guess what? If your clients know that, they're not, you're not going to get a, an email from them in April going, what's happening? What's happening? When, when should we talk to you? You know, which I don't know about you, but those are nuisance emails that I don't need that can be easily avoided. Totally. And they're emails that interrupt your day when you're trying to onboard other clients or whatever. Right, right. Margo, I have a question about what we say in our emails versus what we do. Because right. I think sometimes, and again, I know I'm totally guilty of this in the past, you'll write something like, hey, you know, my responses will be within you know, three business days or, or whatever, but then you will respond to them in 24 hours or you will respond to them really quickly, or maybe you will text them right. because it's easier. You're going, so you're kind of breaking your own rule and you're teaching the client with your actions, something that's different than what you have in the onboarding. Do you see that happen a lot with clients? I say, don't do that. That's detrimental <laughs> to your own, <laughs> whatever. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a situation where, so let's say I've told my clients that they can't text me. Yes. And they, a month after they hire me, they shoot me a, a text that's like very quick question that I could very easily, I could very easily respond in a text. Like I, I get this I'm very easily to respond in a text message. It does take some self discipline and some self control that first time to go back to your preferred communication. Let's say it's email and write the client an email and say, hey, I saw your text. Just as a reminder, we don't talk about planning over text because texts disappear or whatever your justification is, right? Here's the answer to your question, you know? And if you do that one or two times, they'll stop. Mm. And then you can just go back to what you're doing. But like you just said, if you just text them back, then you're proving to them that you're not a stickler for your own rules mm -hmm. and, and clients. What's, what's the book? If you give a mouse a cookie, that old kid's book that we all read, if you give clients an inch, they'll, they'll start taking a mile, right? As long as you are throughout the process explaining to the client why it is in their best interest and the best interest of their event to do things the way that you are saying they need to be done, typically... Uh, uh, an average client, a, cl a client that does not want to start trouble just to be starting trouble, will we'll go along with that, right? I'm not saying every client. I've had clients that don't want to do that, you know, but most of the clients have hired you because you're a professional and they're like, oh, if you explain in order, you know, when you hired me and you saw those great reviews and you saw those great weddings in my portfolio, in order to get that same result, it needs to be done this way. Mm. And that's really why, like, as long as you're explaining to them why it's good for them, then it'll be great. So you're, sh you're showing them proof. I have to blow my nose. If we could pause for a second. Definitely. I'm so, so, you're I'm so you're sorry. I'm like, it's not dripping down my nose. Oh. Please cut this out. <laughs> oh, I promise. It's just like a candid moments behind the scenes. I, um, I tried, I tried to like get a tissue and like deal with it. And I was like, I, it's going to continue to roll. Okay. Perfect. No, I'm totally good. And also I, when I'm reaching forward, this remote this morning randomly stopped working. And so I am just manually 
doing it. So just don't mind me because it's fine. <laughs> we, you know, I kept um, talking. It was fine. <laughs> I just, cool. I try, I try not to stop things, but I'm like, I, I need to blow my nose or snot. I got it. <laughs> You're totally fine. Just let me know. Just be like, uh, yeah. Cool. Um, okay, cool. So I had a question. Okay. Um, action. So I did have a question about professionalism and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of some of this onboarding process, because I have seen voicemails and her got those auto response emails from, from vendors, you know, in our business as a staffing company, we're often dealing with planners. Uh, we're often dealing with venues. And a lot of times there are those auto responder emails or voicemails that are like, hi, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I usually don't answer the phone after this time because I'm chasing after my kids or, or whatever. Um, is that what to you? And I, I'm really excited about your answer to this because of the corporate background side of things. How do we remain professional yet let these you know clients, these wonderful clients who've hired us know that you know we do have families, maybe we do have other businesses or other jobs or other things that we're doing. How do we maintain that line in our messaging? First, I think it's important to to tell everyone out there that you absolutely do want to inform your clients that you have a family, a life, and most importantly, other clients. Mm-hmm. They are not your only client. It's very it's very important that they know that because sometimes they can get tunnel vision. You're their only wedding planner. You're their only DJ. So they forget that you may have 20, 30, 40 DJ companies, hundred other clients that you're, you're, you're juggling at any time. The way that I do that is through our CRM. I use Basecamp. Some people may have heard of it. I actually use an overriding calendar, right? Where I use it to block out the weekends where we have other weddings, the dates when I am out of town traveling for my speaking engagements, which are now more frequently than they were before to block out time that I am on vacation or out of the office. So basically they're not getting the minutia, right? It doesn't say Carly and Evan's wedding. It says HCS event weekend, time is blocked. And in our contract and in our welcome packet, it talks about the fact that this overriding calendar needs to be respected. And the reason is please don't try to contact me during other people's wedding weekend because don't you not want other clients to be contacting me during your wedding weekend? Wouldn't you like that same courtesy? Wouldn't you like me to be focused on your wedding, the wedding, the weekend of your wedding and not thinking about what's going on two weeks from then? Like it's, again, it goes back to, this is how it's helping you. Don't you want your wedding to be the only thing that's going on that weekend? I do think that some people have a tendency to overshare. Like I don't love the message of like, I can't get to the phone because I'm chasing after my kids. Like, I don't think that's necessary. Mm -hmm. I think if you're not answering your phone after 7 p.m. or you're not answering emails after 7 p.m., you're just not. And whatever the regular course of that that's happening is happening. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say something controversial, (laughs) which people are not going to like. I do not love having an autoresponder on your email all the time. That feels aggressive to me. Like it just, it just does. Explain. If you, if you have an autoresponder, I want to know that there's a reason you have an autoresponder, right? I set an autoresponder the, for the entire month of April of 2020, because I knew that people were going to be emailing me 
about COVID related things because it was the height of having to postpone everything. Everything was real crazy. And I wanted to get information out and that's great. I don't at this point or for the last nine months have needed to have that out because it was not a super pressing concern. I have an autoresponder out when I'm on vacation. I have an autoresponder out if I am um, going to be going to a conference for a week. Yes, but today is an average day where I'm in the office working. I'm here doing some podcasts with you, doing some other speaking work. It is not necessary for me to explain that I will get back to you. I hope you know that I will get back to you and you don't need an email to do it because all it's doing is filling up my inbox unneedlessly with something that just says, we'll get back to you, which I don't love. So if you have something specific to say as an autoresponder or you're experiencing longer lead times, like I was with you know COVID when we were trying to postpone everything, or if you're actually not in the office, <laughs> those are all fine things to say on an autoresponder, but otherwise, I don't know if we need them on all the time. And I know that there are tons of people out there that are like, that's dumb. Like I, I get that not everyone agrees with that. I'm just telling you as what I might think if I were a client, mm. that's all. So speaking from an empathetic standpoint, you're yeah. thinking getting two emails, the autoresponder email, and then maybe 30 minutes or an hour later, the actual mm-hmm. response yep. may actually serve them less, may confuse them, might- yeah clutter up an inbox. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just saying it's something I personally don't love when I, as a, as a wedding planner who emails lots of vendors, lots of, lots of time, you know, I'm usually the person emailing because I'm, I'm, I'm doing that for my clients, but not everyone has me, not everyone has a full-time wedding planner. So I don't know if I would, I, I do find it a little annoying and aggressive, you know, Mm. especially if you're not really saying anything, if you're just saying, I'll get back to you. Got it. So you're saying purpose-driven autoresponders. Yes. Vacations. Perfect. perfect. Yes. Totally. Totally. I love that. I love Absolutely. that. That's that's really powerful. I'm, we're totally going to make that a clip because <laughs> I I definitely have seen the autoresponders just to your point, like you have as well. And mm. it it confuses me as a fellow vendor because I'm like, uh, wait, is that the, no, that's not the responder one. That's like, not the answer to my question. It's exactly. just, it just says you'll get back to me with the answer to my question. <laughs> and we have a lot of things going on as wedding pros, but you've got to imagine that your couple might have lots of stuff going on too, right? Right. I have most of my clients, I market to a very professional clientele. So I market my business as stress-free weddings, for stylish professionals. That's literally our tagline. And so a lot of my clients are doctors, lawyers, professional people. They come to me to save them time. I cannot imagine some of them that are doctors that have been dealing with COVID this last year to get five email responders that don't say anything in their day. They'd be like, you know, because I, I can't speak for everyone, but I get hundreds of emails a day. And if 20% of them are saying, We'll get back to you. Uh, that's just clogging my inbox. Absolutely. Absolutely. Margot, help me understand. Let's kind of come full circle here because we've talked yeah. a lot about onboarding. Yeah. Is the offboarding process important as well? Or do you feel like if you do a good enough job in the onboarding, you kind of don't have to do anything? 
No, you still have to do onboarding. Onboarding yeah. is still very important. It's it's funny because I started talking about onboarding and one of my very good friends here in the Los Angeles market, who's also another educator, Renee Dallow from Moxie Bright Events, started talking about offboarding. And we I have an onboarding course and she has an offboarding course. We like put them together as a special deal over the holidays. But um, so I, I don't get that much into offboarding in my education, but yes, it is it is important. It is necessary, especially if you want reviews, referrals, and tips. So if those are things that you're interested in, you should probably have some type of follow-up after the event. You know, it's it's not, people don't realize that, that wedding people get very used to having their wedding, wedding couples get very used to having their wedding professionals in their lives. I've been told by more than a few clients that they quote, miss me. Mm-hmm. I know they don't, miss me as a person like i'm not offended like i know that that's not it they are just used to having me in their life because i've been such a huge part of their life for the last however long right so i start the offboarding process i tell people what like two weeks before people's weddings i tell them what to expect after their wedding you know your wedding's going to be amazing your wedding's going to be great after your wedding, you're going to be, it's like coming off down off a high and you're going to feel a little let down. That's normal. Don't freak out. You're also going to feel like you miss me. I'm not saying that because you really like me, but just because we've been talking every day for the last six months and now you're, now we're not, you know, that's totally normal. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to send you this email to kind of lock everything down. You know, here's how you, it went with your vendor. Here's how everything, here's some outstanding stuff. Then a month later, after you return from your honeymoon, you're going to get this email that asks about this. Like I lay it all out for them, kind of like a pre-offboarding as part of, it's onboarding for the offboarding. Let's put it that way. Totally. But it is, it, yes, it is definitely imperative to have some poor, some type of, of, of runoff right? Or ramp, ramp down as it were, because if you don't, you just let your clients fall off a cliff and then you may not get a review, a referral or tips, whatever those, whichever of those three things you might be interested in. Hmm. Because not right. everybody tips the day of the wedding. I've gotten plenty of Venmos, plenty of checks in the mail after the fact, you know? So don't think that if they don't give you anything on the wedding day, that they never will. Hmm. Don't think that it's the, your last opportunity to make an impression you definitely need that runoff period. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. And I can imagine if you hadn't thought about your offboarding process and it just, you just kind of were like, bye, it is a well, I did it for the first couple of years that I was going and I was wondering why I wasn't getting any like referrals. I was because people were like raving at the weddings, everything's great. But then uh, that, you know, not that not Renee, but somebody else was like, are you doing anything for offboarding? And I was like, what's that? And they're like, well, you can't just let your clients fall off the cliff. <laughs> like, and I was like, oh, right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So learn, learn from, again, the fact that I am saying it, that I used to not do it and I didn't get any of those things. And I do it now and I do. You, you can't see it. Maybe if I turn, there's a whole bunch of notes and stuff that I tape to my wall that are from clients that are, you know, they seem um, satisfied and, they, you know, that's part of their offboarding of me. Really, uh, I love it. I love it. Well, yeah, if you're listening on the podcast, you're definitely gonna have to check out the YouTube because Margot did just show <laughs> us her beautiful and very artfully done wall. I know um, you may have seen my the bowl that my breakfast cereal was in also. Don't worry about that. But, 
It's off screen. Everything happens off screen. This part is really well done. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, thank you. I I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and helping us understand how important this is because in a lot of ways, the details on in an onboarding process or the details in an offboarding process are really the things that help make an event successful and help keep you in business, right? Yes. It's, it's a lot easier to have a structure, do your onboarding, have everything set than it is to try to fix problems as they happen along the way. You know, yes, it, it, it is one of the, the structural things that you can do for your business to make your business last longer, take less stress off of you, make it so you don't, don't burn out. That's mm-hmm. a big thing in our industry is people just burn out left and right. So it is one of the, probably the most fundamental things that you can do for your business, no matter what type of wedding pro you are. The most successful, huge catering companies here in Southern California have a very specific onboarding process. It's a little bit more corporate. It's a little bit more forms because they are, they're huge companies, but it's how it's part of how they became successful. It's part of the reason why I've been in business for 10 years, because after the first couple of years, I was like, Ooh, I got to change something here or else it's not going to, not going to be sustainable. Right. Yeah. Like that's part of the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I think burnout's huge. If you're not thinking correctly about these steps, it's so easy to burn out. You become maybe a bit jaded, a bit, you know, upset right. with your clients because they're not treating you correctly, mm, but you're kind yeah. of the problem, right? Like you said in the very beginning. Yeah. You, so, I mean, sometimes we have to turn, turn, turn everything internal and being like, is there something that I'm doing or not doing that's causing me to always have these couple problems that I'm experiencing? And by doing that, then you can say, oh, maybe if I just tell them at the beginning that X, Y, Z is happening, then they won't complain about it later on down the line. And then I won't have to burn the energy and write the email and get all up in my head about it. And yeah, it does, you know, sustainability and, and, and people not burning out is something that I really want our industry to to work on because I think that a lot of times wedding professionals in our desire to serve, we we're in this business because we love love and, 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 you know, happiness and the events that, that happen and we want the best for our clients. But I want people to know that sometimes what's best for your clients can also be good for you. You don't have to sacrifice your time, your life, your sanity for the whims of providing for your clients, because oftentimes those two things can go hand in hand, like with an onboarding process. I love it. Margot, this has been a lot of fun. I, that it's just, absolutely beautiful. Um, when people want to connect with you and, you know, maybe have you even help coach them through this process and setting these things up, um, Mm -hmm. where can they reach out to you? Yeah. So probably the best thing to do for onboarding, we actually have a course for onboarding. It's a, it's a mini course. It's not crazy. You can do it over the course of like one to two days. So what I will do is whenever I come on a podcast, we offer 30% off of that course. It's only $97 to start with. So if you guys use the code RX30, you can get 30% off of that course. I will go ahead and give the link uh, to you guys so you can put it in the show notes so people can just click on it. But the the course is is a really great thing because it guides people through those steps of figuring out what their own onboarding process should be. Mm -hmm. I show you mine. I'm not hiding. I'm not hiding. I'm not holding anything back. You, the whole my whole onboarding process, my whole welcome packet is in that course. But again, it's not about what I do. So the course is to help you figure out what you do. 
So mm. at this point, I push people to the course because I don't offer one-to-one coaching right now mm. because we're ramping up for our clients coming out of last year. I have the wedding summit series coming back. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of stuff. So we have the courses. It will help you figure out your onboarding process. I promise. So that's what I push people to if they're interested in learning about the onboarding process. And then if you guys want to reach out to me directly, Instagram is probably the best place. I'm at Harmony Creative and you can slide into those DMs. Don't be shy. I'm here to answer your questions. I love it. Well, thank you so much. That's really very generous. And I hope everyone takes a uh, opportunity, that opportunity, and we will put that link. You said RX30. RX30. Yep. Perfect. I love it. Uh, we'll put that in the link for the description and on the podcast platforms as well, but definitely check us out on Instagram because we're going to make sure that all that is there so you can take advantage of this amazing opportunity from Margot. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was fun.